manner of words unsaid. Just lonely feelings left the way in my head. I trap myself further every time I stay quiet. I should start to speak, but I stop and stay silent. And now I've made my own hard day inside this prison. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Consensus, a podcast hosted by seven black and mixed race women who discuss issues from the perspective of four political parties in the UK. I'm Jen Davis, a Labour and Cooperative member, and joining me today are... Hi, I'm Tessie Nastai, I'm a Conservative Party member. Hi, I'm Julia Ogiho, and I'm a Liberal Democrat councillor. So before we get started, please could you follow our Twitter handle at the underscore consensus underscore and join in the conversation using our hashtag Consensus Podcast. So on this week's episode, we'll be discussing mental health, particularly in the black and mixed communities. Hi, I'm Melissa Gordon and welcome to this week's News Digest. There is a shortage of industrial carbon dioxide resulting in problems with manufacturing and food production. Beer, crumpets and other foods are affected as carbon dioxide is used to stun animals before slaughter, carbonate fizzy drinks and keeps packaged food fresh. Expect to be rationed for your fizzy drinks at Asda and some other retailers. Meanwhile, EU leaders held a summit and marathon talks which led to a migration deal. Every summer sees an increase in predominantly African and Middle Eastern migrants, some asylum seekers and refugees who risk everything to sail across the Mediterranean to Europe. Poorer southern states, like Italy and Greece, bear the brunt of this responsibility to register the arrivals. But Italy's new populist government has made clear it wants more support from other states, richer states like Germany, which tends to be the destination the refugees, asylum seekers and other migrants want to go to. The EU deal has been criticised as vague, but others, German Chancellor Angela Merkel included, are just pleased to have something down in paper. In the UK, the Influential Intelligence and Security Committee, a body made up of MPs to scrutinise the work our security forces, spies, have done, concluded that the British authorities were fully aware of the torture US spies conducted on their prisoners and our spies did not intervene on the prisoners' behalf. This has brought some uncomfortable truths back to the limelight regarding Tony Blair's government's complicity in the abominable actions perpetrated by the US George Bush administration. That's all from me. Hope you enjoy this week's episode. So ladies, um, mental health problems have been discussed over the last few years. Why do you think this is and do you feel like it's been discussed enough? Who would like to go first? Um, I think that it's important to just reiterate and to just acknowledge that everybody has mental health um, but some people have mental health problems and I think also that it's also good for us to also acknowledge that a lot of us, a lot of people in the country have mental health problems at some point in their life so around one point, one in four people in the UK will experience a mental health problem each year this is according to MIND um, and in England, one in six people report experiencing a common mental health problems such as anxiety, depression, and this could happen in, a, in any week. So I think what I'm trying to say here is that we should first of all acknowledge that everybody has mental health. And when we do, we can then start to realise that there are periods in our lives that we could experience mental health problems, so, which could range from... Um, you know, severe mental health problems to common ones like, you know, anxiety, depression that we all know about. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd make that point before we begin. Okay, fair enough. Would you like to say, add anything, Julia? So, you know, the question is of why are we talking about it yeah. a lot more now? And I think it goes back to what you said, the, just the sheer number of people that do suffer from mental health. Um, it's not dissimilar to the way you have sort of everyday physical illnesses or ailments. Um, and the reason I feel like people haven't been talking to, talking about it before is because there's this stigma that's attached to having mental health. And it's quite positive to see that with a lot more, I don't know, with politicians and with people sort of 
drawing attention to it, people are starting to realise that it's actually quite a normal thing to have mental health issues and it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to seek help. But then people are now starting to seek help and talk about it. They're realising that they're not actually getting... We don't really have the infrastructure in place yeah. to actually help you. Um, so I think it's partly because there's a lot more being done to raise awareness from sort of campaigning groups, from politicians. Um, and it's just a lot more people talking about their experiences um, to think that, you know, there's one in four and one in ten children suffer from mental health. Um, so that's quite a big number. Let's just talk about the economical impact as well. It's estimated to cost about $105 billion, um, when it's not being dealt with. So actually it's in everyone's interest um, to see what we can do better. Um, so um, just going back to part of the question, do you both feel like it's being discussed enough or do you think we need to discuss it further and look at other solutions in trying to help address the issue yeah address the issue yes um i just wanted to add quickly on what julia said as well just addressing the first part of the question which is like why there has been a significant rise in discussion in in um around mental health issues um and i think obviously they probably is it's been hard for experts to pinpoint whether or not we're experiencing significant mental health illnesses in our generation as opposed to previous generation. But I think there are some reasons as to why people are, what well, it seems as if people are experiencing more mental health issues than before. Um, obviously the rise of social media and technology mm-hmm. can have an impact on um, someone's mental health if you're being bullied online. And also social media also leads to kind of, you know, it can lead to loneliness as well in society which could you know lead to depression and also people getting you know people are living longer now so it means that older people also experience mental and I don't think we talk about it enough that older people might experience mental health Mm. problems like depression and feel withdrawn with themselves if they're not able to talk to um, other people like themselves and everything's becoming so digital that you don't have to see another human being and interact with them and how that can make you feel lonely and make you depressed and make you anxious about going out and meeting new people so I think it's it's good for us to sort of pinpoint the trends Mm. that are that might be leading to an increase in mental health problems in um or maybe I shouldn't say problems maybe illnesses illnesses yeah. yeah mental health illnesses um and whether I think it's been discussed enough um I don't know. I think that's always quite difficult to say because there will be some aspect of the discussion that people don't touch on, mm-hmm. as we're going to talk about today, like black mental health yeah. um, and the um, the issues around that as well. But I think as a whole, in in general, people do talk about. We are talking about it a lot. It's on the agenda, on the political agenda. It's on the news probably once a month. There's always a study about mental health. Um, illnesses and mental health um, issues um, so yeah I think I think it's it's been talked about enough and even the Prime Minister in last year at the Conservative Party conference referenced this and then called for a review into the Mental Health Act um, so which is showing us this is a, an important issue for government and they're also looking into mental health conditions for children mm-hmm. and how um, how that can be addressed in schools and you know, physical education and how they could put in mental health education as part of that. So I think, yeah, it's been discussed mm-hmm. enough. Obviously, there's some parts of it that we could explore more. Yeah, I agree. I think people are talking a lot about it. Um, but again, you talk about the fact that it's now a priority mm-hmm. um, for the Prime Minister, but I think there's also, whilst it is a priority, it needs to stop being a priority and actions start happening. So you talk about the fact that, you know, they're looking into sort of mental health children and going to schools. But during the coalition years, I know that sort of Norman Lamb, when it was care minister, did come up with a national strategy, which looked at all of this and recommended all the things that needed to be done. And they've since then reviewed whether these recommendations have been implemented and it still hasn't been done. 
So he's recently called a May to, you know, carry on with the delivery of these recommendations. So if so if we already have a strategy for this, why has it taken this long? Bearing in mind the coalition ended in twenty fifteen. Um, you know, and this happened in the earlier part of the coalition years. So yes, we are talking about it. It's great to see sort of, you know, more prominent people, you know, um, with the sort of the Prince Harry, he talking about his experiences and the whole sort of the younger part of the royal family working together to bring this to the fore. Yeah. Um, but I think we're not moving far enough in terms in terms of the solution. Well, I think also we need. I think whilst it's important for us to do mention the part that the government plays in addressing these issues, mm-hmm. it's also important for us to acknowledge that this is a, like a societal issue and societal attitudes need to change. So, for example, when it comes to employers and mm-hmm. how they react to people who might be experiencing mental health issues. So, if you went to your employer and said, you know what, I'm depressed, how do employers, employers take it? Mm-hmm. Do they think that, oh, maybe you're just over-exaggerating over it or if you say you're anxious about something they might just think oh that's fine everyone faces anxiety but you yeah. might actually be experiencing a mental health um, mm. problem or illness at that time or even things like stress stress is a common factor and it's such a I mean I think this year the mental health week was in May I want to say mm. May or April mm. and um, the the focus was on stress and how yes. stress actually leads to a lot of severe mental health illnesses obviously it starts with anxiety but could lead could but could spiral quite quickly so I think yes focus on the government yes focus on political agenda but think about how we as a society are addressing this how do our attitudes um, change when a friend tells us that they might be depressed do we, how do we react to that? How do we try and help? Or how do we, um, how do we feel about that? So, yeah, that, that's... I do feel, though, no, you're right, but I do feel like the conversation has moved on a lot more. So yeah. I, I do think, you know, just anecdotally talking about a few years if you were going through a mental health issue at work, mm. no one wouldn't understand. But mm. now, um, you know, I, I feel that employers are starting to give you practical help, you know. They are offering you free counselling sessions at work or I, I know in my workplace they are big on sort of mental health issues and they do put things out during sort of mental health week and you are giving help or you can talk about it and you can have time off and when you do come back it's like a slow process to come back in and HR is making sure that you're okay. But this would not have happened years ago. Mm. You know, people wouldn't have understood understood what that was and um, so I, I I kind of disagree so there was um, a there was as part of mental health um, week there was um, research published by Shaw Trust which is a national employment charity and work with people who might be facing disability issues mm-hmm. including mental health and their research was saying that actually mental health is still a taboo in the workplace mm-hmm. so whilst um, whilst the, the awareness of mental health issues has doubled in, in workplace and, and half of employers view staff with mental health conditions, but half of employers still view staff with mental health conditions as a significant risk mm. to their business, which is an increase of 10% since 2009. So actually, we're not going forward, we're going backwards. Mm. And over half of employers are reluctant to employ someone with a mental health condition due to fear that that person will be stigmatised by co-workers. And that's at 56% this year. And in 2009, it was 51%. And Mm. still, 42% of employers surveyed stated that people with mental health conditions are less reliable, which, again, has doubled since 2009. So are we actually making progression? Like, whilst Mm. we're talking about it, how, really, how is it being received? We Mm. might be talking about it more, the same way we might, you know, talk about racism, it doesn't mean that there's some. Doesn't mean that everybody is, you know, fully on board with a multicultural society. There's still people who hold that view, and clearly employers still feel that this mm. is this is something that they can't yeah. get Sorry, I, just, I just want to interject. So my, I just want to talk from like a school um, perspective. So, so yeah, I also feel like um, within schools, um, there should be some 
leverage that will allow young people, if they're having mental health issues, to take some time off, mm-hmm. um, time off um, at, um, during the school term if they have mental health issues, or it should be authorized. But I think you have, you may have to email or something, and then you have to get authorization. But I feel like that should be um, something that's part of the um, school policies. I don't know what you, I don't know what you guys think about it. Do you think that that should be something that's included in the policies? Yeah, I mean, or, yeah, yeah, I think if we're talking about, you know, as the Labour Party have said and the Conservatives have said, and actually the Lib Dems, probably all the parties have said that there needs mm-hmm. to be parity between physical health and mental health. So if we're going to call for that, then that should yeah. be reflected that was in the policies. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying, but it's, yeah, a yeah. There's a it's a consensus now that yeah. there should be parity. Consensus. <laughs> there should be parity in the way that people view it. So yeah, if we're going, if we're moving towards that direction, mm. then definitely that needs to be reflected because if someone was going through a physical um, illness, they would be allowed time off. One of the things that um, part of this national strategy um, that was published during the coalition um, years was the need for mental health to be sort of built into the school curriculum, mm-hmm. um, basically just teaching teenagers about their mental health, um, how they can become sort of more robust in coping with the mental health, okay. and just having sort of like a dedicated person, mm-hmm. um, like sort of counsellors or first aiders that deal with mental health issues in schools. So that's one of the that's actually one of the things that we adopted as part of our manifesto in the local election. Like we need at least one person or four students that is dedicated to looking at that issues and talking about talking about it a little bit more. So yeah, it is something that we should be doing. Yeah. Um, even just touching up and uh, um, touching on that you know, I've noticed around exam times, that's when of a lot course. of students, regardless of their age, you know, really feel yeah. stressed. I feel like maybe we need to adopt some sort of um, method where, you know, m- a few months before exams, they have, like, classes to kind of relieve them of exam stress and give, mm. sh- teach them how to, like, yeah. mindfulness, mm. you know, things that they can like um, use yeah and signpost them to yes, tell like if, if it is more serious yeah, exactly. so I think maybe things like that need to be looked yeah. into I think um, also this is just like just literally plucked this idea from nowhere but maybe we could think about spacing out the exams a little bit more because mm. when you think back to when you were you were at you know, doing your A-levels, uni or whatever. Mm-hmm. Actually, uni is not so bad. But when you're doing your A-levels, sometimes you have, like, three exams on the same day. Yeah, like, how are you adjusting hers and that was It's it. so yeah. crippling, like, or even GCSEs. You're just there thinking, oh, my God, like, how can I do this many things and think about mm-hmm. so many things at the same time? So you're probably staying up for three days before trying mm-hmm. to make sure that you're on top of everything. Mm-hmm. And if there's a way that somehow the scheduling of exams could be in such a way that allows people like a min- not like a, a full-on break but at least a day yeah. for another so that they can actually get a good night's sleep because a lot of students think that if they stay up they're going to learn more than yeah. if they're going yeah. to bed so like little things like that that we can change that could create a more sort of a more um, healthy environment so you've just come up with a policy idea uh, what yeah. do you guys think let <laughs> us know <laughs> let us know by using the hashtag consensus podcast so I'm just going to move on to um, ask you another question um, and just let me know your thoughts ladies so um, obviously we're talking about mental health but you know within the black community um, there are still people who don't speak about their mental health um, or if they have mental health um, um, illnesses do you, like, what do you think the reasoning is behind this? And you know, what could we, what advice would you um, give to kind of encourage them to speak up? I don't know. I think in the black community, there's a whole myriad of things and a whole bunch of different reasons. If you're talking about black men, there's this whole thing about needing to be strong yeah, masculinity. And, and masculinity yeah. and therefore having mental health issues is just not a thing that you ever want to you know mention but yet those are the kind of groups that are more susceptible mm-hmm. to having mental health issues in terms of um, the daily discrimination that you go through anyway um, the fact that you are probably more likely to be treated harshly by the time you get the level of education that you get is never going to be great by the time you get you know jobs is going to be a lot more harder so therefore you're more susceptible and if you do then go and seek help you are more likely to i don't know what's the word to be given a more sort of coercive treatment 
than actually sort of talking therapies. Mm. So that's one issue. But then if again it talks about say I don't know women from the sort of ethnic minority background, then you there's also that stigma as well. In addition yeah. to being seen as not someone that could be vulnerable, so therefore people don't talk about it publicly. They want to deal with it and then there's a the whole cultural issue as well mm. if say you're from sort of an African background mental health where you know I'm told you that you're possessed right so I think that's it's just not seen and then the people that do talk about the mental health issues aren't people that look like you so you therefore don't think that maybe it happens within your community exactly and that's why we, I always say and I always try to reiterate is that representation matters. matters like it's such a big thing people may not think it does but it really does in every aspect of someone's life or in any you know job mm-hmm. education whatever they're doing it, it's really important um, so Tosin do you have anything to add to, to what um, Julia said um no, really. I mean, we've touched on religion, we've mm. t- talked about culture um, and the way that, yeah, like, I suppose, the way that we've been brought up from years and years of us um, having gone through oppression mm. and finding um, not being emotionally unavailable mm. as being a tactic against, you know, the oppression that we face. So it's something that our culture, that we've just learned to do, we just don't show our emotions and it's not really, it's it's frowned upon. Remember when you like you'd get in trouble with your mum and you're crying and she'd be like, if I see you cry anymore. Like that kind of thing where we bottle up emotions mm-hmm. obviously will down the line affect us in the way that we express how we feel. And um I mean, yeah, I'm not really sh- I'm not really sure what, what what we can do. I think it's as we said, it's important that we're having a conversation mm-hmm. first of all. Um I was very pleased in um April, towards the end of April this year, that my church, which is predominantly black, they had a mental health awareness day on a Saturday, and it was packed full of people, older people, talking about their experiences, people talking about the fact that they experienced panic attacks just trying to get on the plane. Those tiny things like that, it's so important for them to express and for us to discuss. So it was older people, like older, I'm talking 60s, 70s. Nigerian, mostly African, um, talking about their mental health experiences and how we can try and help people that we might suspect might be going through a mental health um, illness. Um, Just sorry to interject, that's really good because I find that a lot of um, older African mm. and Caribbean um, men and women tend to downplay mental health whereas the I feel like it's the younger generation that are being more open and honest so it's really good to hear yeah. refreshing to hear that in your church you know the older um, generation are speaking with the younger generation and about, about, yeah. about the things that yeah. they experience and they're not and they weren't necessarily talking about the main ones you know like schizophrenia yeah, or like but, things. but they were it's talking about you know, like depression they were talking and about and those are related because um, that's what a lot of yeah like after having like. a baby how they feel maybe after getting married how they feel about mm-hmm. it and just the day to day things that people might face and them actually acknowledging that this is a mental health illness yeah. that's the first step because sometimes they don't acknowledge that it's a mental health illness they think it's something else attributed to something else so I thought that was a very very good step and I think whilst you know people from African Caribbean backgrounds they tend to be more religious I think it's then important for our religious groups to step in and provide those services in our communities because first of all it's hard for people to get those um, those services like through the NHS and mm-hmm. group um, which we may come on to talk about but I think if you have a safe place, people that you know, mm. and they can provide those services that you can walk in and maybe talk to your local priest, your local pastor, and they could then refer you to um, an actual medical um, or mental health nurse or something like that. That would be very useful for our community. That's good. Because um, um, there is an organisation called the Mind and Soul Foundation, and um, it's actually... Um, it's actually a Christian organisation and what it does, it explores Christianity and mental health mm-hmm. and their three main goals um, are to educate, equip and encourage people and um, I think, you know, um, what they tend to do is, you know, people can call up the helpline or people can go on their website and find out information and there's places that they signpost to so I think mm-hmm. maybe 
you know, if churches can't facilitate having individual men, you know, yeah, of course, yeah. maybe organisations like this, they can kind of have like some affiliation with this organisation where yeah. they can kind of sign Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because I'm sure it's daunting for someone, say from a background where nobody really wants to talk about it, for you to just walk in to see yeah. a charity. Mm-hmm. But if you're being um, referred by someone you trust, someone you see yeah, all the time, exactly. if I'm a loving place, you'll feel more comfortable and mm-hmm. probably get more young people and more, even older people who feel that, okay, I can trust my pastor about anything. So why can't I talk to him about, you know, the way I'm feeling at the moment? So um, just, I just want to just kind of just go back to that question, the previous question I asked. Um, I've noticed that there was a lot of discussion and reports um, about mental health uh, um, regarding black men, but there's not that many mm. to do with black women. Mm. And it's quite, it's quite frustrating because there are a lot of black women who do go through mental health issues. There have been a few studies that show that um, post-traumatic stress disorder is higher in women of black ethnicity, um, of black ethnic origin, sorry, and um, the, this is associated with um, high levels of sexual assaults that they experience, mm-hmm. but they're less likely to report or seek help for this. Like, for me, it's, I don't know, like, we're all black women here. Like, with what you've just heard, how, how, do, you feel, how do you both feel about that? Like, I mean, I'm not surprised um, at all. Um, why are you that... not surprised? When I, when I was researching this, um, researching that um, I was actually quite surprised I'm like, like why like you know we there's a lot of things that we speak out on how comes when we won't speak out about you know us going through specific mental health issues I, I, I think that a part of that is to do with we're not supposed to be vulnerable and mm. even if you were to speak about speak up about it the way it will be received, like we all know that the black woman narrative, <laughs> the way it will be received, you're not going to get the reaction that you feel like I've come to you for help and you've dismissed me. So black women kind of feel that they have to hold all this burden inside and deal with it by themselves whilst propping everyone else up. Yeah. Um, that's why that does not surprise me. Because okay, even Serena Williams talked about this when she gave birth, and you know the fact that she almost died, and she had to be quite aggressive to tell the doctors something is wrong. Can you look into this? Mm. You know, and since then she's been speaking out a lot more about it, showing that level of vulnerability. But we know the way Serena Williams is perceived as a strong black woman um, that isn't, you're not allowed to be vulnerable. Yeah, I really hate that. So therefore, you kind of bottle it in and you just deal with it and move on because there are other issues that are potentially more on a priority level. Yeah. And there's also this this um, view of black women as, as um, strong, resilient. Mm-hmm. We go through so many things but yet we stand strong. So I suppose one, from one aspect, black women might feel that they might be disappointing yeah. some people by having that breakdown because everyone expect, expects them to be strong. In the workplace, they're expected to be strong. Yeah. When they're at home, they're expected to be the backbone of the house. Mm-hmm. When in the community, they're expected to be there for people. When someone's child, for example, is sad, the black women are expected to be the first people to come in with lots of food and comforting the people who have gone through all this this trauma, but there's just so much expectation that there's no room for us to actually show our emotions. And when we do, there's no one really there to hear us. There's no one. We don't. Really, there's no one really that we feel that we can talk to to um, to share how we feel. And it's it's ridiculous because in the UK, black women or women from black and ethnic minority are three to six times more likely to be admitted to mental health units units than average and importantly they're more likely to be compulsory admitted so we're not even like going in by ourselves it's because our situation has gotten so far that we've had to be you know detained and forcibly admitted let me just interject there as well is is it because our situation is so bad that you have to be detained or is it because based on like the European Commission's report on racism 
um, in 2016 was basically saying that the UK government um, need to address racism because pe black people with mental health issues are more likely to be detained forcefully yeah. and the Mental Health Act is used forcefully more against them even though they don't necessarily have that disproportionately mental health diagnosis yeah. than the white counterparts but they tend to be more insecure units entertained. I agree, so, I agree with so that because my point just quickly relates to yours. So um, apparently the Equality and Human Rights Commission actually did um, reported in December 2017 that black African women were seven times more likely to be detained than white British women under the mental health legislation in hospitals in England and Wales. So yeah, no, I also mm, agree with yes, what you're saying yeah. because also um, in this report in 2011, I can't really find you, but we're going to put it on our social media. Mm. Black and ethnic minority women are less likely to be admitted to women's crisis houses. Oh, so wow. when we have those issues, we're not, you know, we're faced against racism and blocks. And also, we're also less likely to be referred to talking therapies. So we don't get the help when we get there initially. That's why I said that my point was in two parts, mm. obviously, our resilience. And the second part is when we're ready to talk, we're not given that opportunity. They don't allow us, if you're, if you're a black woman who's gone through, faced domestic violence, for example, no crisis house, you're less likely to be admitted to a crisis house. Then where are you supposed to go until the situation gets worse and like you're forcibly admitted? So it's, like, it's, it's a cycle, isn't it's it? Cycle. But do, you not, do you feel like it's maybe because the women may not be reporting so I'm talking about your just your point and your example of domestic violence. Do you feel like maybe it's because black women are not reporting, or do you feel like it's they are reporting it but they're just not getting the support? Yeah, but that's what, that's, that's what I'm saying. Point. They're not getting yeah. the support because they're less likely to be admitted. So the point is, like, they're going there, but the crisis okay. house will probably say, "Sorry, we don't have any more room for blah 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 blah," and they're less likely to be referred by their GPs to talking therapy. And do you think that that's that's because that is due to their race, or do you think maybe it's just well, if they're less likely than any other women, I'm not gonna say it, but it's, it's a bit glaring. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else that differentiates yeah. black women from white women, just the color of their skin. That's true. I'll be quite interested to see what if people agree with us actually, um, to see if they believe that's the case. Because I think when we talk amongst ourselves up as black women. We're mm. all in agreement that actually yeah. this is the case. But then when you go outside yeah, of true. your group and everyone just sort of like, no, no, no. So I'm, I'd be quite interested to see if we can have a dialogue on this um, and see why they yeah. don't think that way and why they do think that way if they do. So if you do um, have any objections or if you do have any opinions to what we have discussed, please do at us on our Twitter app, which is at the underscore consensus underscore, and also you could use the hashtag consensus podcast. So, you know, you spoke um, earlier, Tosin, about, you know, the, old, the older generation within your church speaking about um, black their mental health. How do you think we can educate other older black men and women um, about mental health where you know because you know quite a few of them still have mm. that still believe in the stigma well they don't believe it but they still believe that oh if you have mental health issues it's still, then yeah. it's, it's a bad thing or you know you're possessed or you know you can't go to the doctors you need to go to the church so they can um, pray away yeah. pray away for you etc so Jesus. how can we educate those type of older black um I would say, you know, it's definitely education is a problem. They need to understand, as we've established, that anybody could experience mental health, you know, issues at any point in their life. Sometimes it could be for a week, it could be for a day, it could be for six months, a year, or longer than that. But it's, you know, that happens. In terms of education, I think maybe I don't want to put too much... Um, pressure on younger people but I think it's for us to actually try and get them to do it so for example at my church there's a lot of young people young ministers who are actually saying this is an issue we need to talk about this and if we as young people don't start speaking up in our communities in our faith groups then you know the older generation are just going to keep having the same view that they have currently I mean that's 
I can't really think of anything else that we could do. I don't know if, you, if Julia can, but... I think we are starting to do it. The fact that we are sort of the younger generation do... I think they're actually quite fearless in that mm. they're not bottling it up. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to talk about it. Um, so I think the fact that they're already doing that um, is already having an impact. Because I just, again, I'm going to go back to sort of like personal, personal sort of thing. I know this doesn't mean anything. I mean, I'm not saying this is the same for everyone else, but I look at my teenage brothers and sisters and they feel no way in saying to my mum now, to say, look, I'm so stressed out, I need some time off, or, you know, whereas before, if that came from me, she'd be like, I'll get over it. Mm-hmm. But now, well, she's more willing. You don't know what stress is. Right? <laughs> but now, she's more willing to say, mm-hmm. no, like, leave, leave the little boy alone. He's a very sensitive person. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to him that way. Or when the whole thing happened with my little brother, is 16, he needs to go and speak to someone. Whereas before, you know, so... It needs to be a natural progression. You can't just then start forcing them and say, sit down, here's some, here's some training on how you should. It needs to be natural. And I think we are starting to see a shift. Okay. We're not there yet, but I think we are getting there. Um, and I just think the more there are younger people talking about this and raising awareness, the more it will go filter down to the older generation or filter up, you know. Okay, that's good okay so i kind of want to just touch upon mental health services um within the uk um you know tossin touched upon it earlier about some of the was it crisis did you say yeah crisis yeah yeah, provide houses Mm -hmm. for black women and what what are your your thoughts on other mental health services within the uk um do you feel like they from what you what you've heard or what you've read or what you've experienced, do you feel like there's you know there's a lot of unconscious biases unconscious bias within the mental health um, services or um, yeah I don't know what I'm asking there but do you get my drift? Yeah, I I think with mental health I think that's the, you mentioned the whole campaign about seeking parity mm-hmm. with um, sort of physical um, illness. I think the way the, the services have been and just by the legacy and history, mental health has not always been seen with the same importance as physical health. Mm-hmm. And there hasn't been anything that focuses on prevention and the early sort of yeah. you know, intervention and it's just based on fixing, which is a lot more, um, obviously, it's a lot more strain. And then there's the whole issue of the fact that we don't have the resources we don't have enough resources so like for example in we now have seven thousand fewer mental health nurses than we did in 2010 wow right and it's it, yeah it's shameful but at the same time i can almost see that the nhs is struggling and mental health was already struggling before so of course it's ever going to struggle more now um so no, like I was like I think sort of what I was alluding to earlier, we're nowhere close. So I've got an example that I'm gonna use. I remember um, speaking at some event, and um, a black woman, a young black woman, was saying that how she was seeking um, therapy, um, which was um, administered by university, mm. and basically the therapist was a bit. Basically, she was showing unconscious bias um, about her the girls' community, and she wasn't she wasn't understanding where the the young woman was coming from. Yeah. So um, well, that's, sorry, just to jump in. Yeah. So like the, the services are culturally insensitive. Yeah. So to, to, yeah. No, definitely. I think that that's that is the case. Um, they're more likely to be Eurocentric. I think I'm looking at it from a from a European point of view and not acknowledge some of the cultural differences mm. that exist in our society. And also, um, black people are 40% more likely than white people to be turned away from mental health services when they ask for help. So mm. how can we ask for help if you're turning us away? So sometimes it feels that those services are are not for us, I suppose. Like, if, you, if you've... 
plucked up the courage to get to the point as a black person in from a culture that isn't really um, necessarily open to the idea of mental health illnesses. You've made that progression, you've gone to the GP and you're yet, you know, unable to receive the treatment. It's just frankly unacceptable. Um, and you have to sort of bear in mind as well, like if you do go and seek help, your sort of illness or your sort of mental health situation will be tied to your race. Mm. So how do you then talk about that added layer to someone who may not necessarily think it's not all about race and try to not address that aspect of why you are seeking that help? Um, so how do you get the actual proper help? if they don't understand that element yeah, of where your mental health issues is coming from. Us black women, we have it so hard, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, like, yeah. Um, and I suppose this would be hard. a good time to... Because I, I don't think I've ever shouted out to any any people in this podcast, so I'm going to take the opportunity to shout out to two young black ladies who realised that there was actually... that the current services out there were not receptive to yeah. black for black people mm-hmm. in particular um, and that they found you know that they were too eurocentric and they found that they were turned away when they wanted those help so one is Vanessa I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong Vanessa Bochi from um, this side of the charity Inside Out UK that sort of works to help black people who are facing mental health illnesses and the other one is Seda Odutayo um, who started out SAE which is S-A-I-E survive, achieve, inspire and elevate um, just to shout out to them that they do amazing work, recognising first of all that there is this space in the charity sector that um, provides services and understands um, where some of these you know, black and ethnic minority people are coming from and understands their culture mm. um, and how that might you know, that, that, and can provide tailored service to them, bespoke service I suppose and I just want to quickly give a shout out to someone that I follow on Instagram. Um, it's called um, She Is Underscore UK, and basically she has something called Mental Health Mondays, where she talks about you know how um, women can improve their well, black women can. Well, I don't know if it's black women specifically, but she's a black person, and how people could um, improve their mental health, and you know she kind of gives quotes. Um, just to encourage other women um, about their mental health as well so maybe you guys can check out that young lady yeah and I have one the uh, yes the um, Maya Centre again what they essentially do is focus focus on providing people from ethnic minority background with counselling free counselling talking sessions um, people, whatever your issue is, domestic abuse, and they are based in um, Islington and tend to work sort of across different boroughs. I've come across them from my work in Haringey. Um, so, yeah, they again they fill that space. So, they are out there, but you do really have to look yeah. for it. Because, for example, if you went to like the doctors or if you go through like the, the yeah, service yeah. services, yeah. Oh, they're so just gonna, you know, and then you then go in. Then it does, of course it doesn't work, and if it doesn't work, you're not well, you're not going to go back. Even the stats, some of them they'll say that they're going to refer you to a mental health um, charity, and after seven they'll say, "Oh, there's there's a long queue." But you yeah. don't hear from these organisations ever. No. Okay, so I just want to move on to um, everyone's party's policy on mental health. Um, you know, what, is, what are your um, party's policies on mental health? Do they have anything specifically for black mental health? And um, have any of your party's politicians um, said or done anything on this issue? So I think we will start with... <laughs> well, they've come, I was going to say the third party's biggest party, but they're not really the third biggest party, so... Can we make, let's start with Lib Dems. <laughs> yeah, they always get put last. Why don't we start the with Lib Dems? Wow. What? Okay, do you know what? I, I am done with you all. Like, seriously. A, a lot of the things that you guys are probably going to come up with will be stolen from the Lib Dems, but here, here we are. 
Um, but so, who really has the power to do things? Which is fine. It's all we are very collaborative. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, again, I've, I've mentioned Norman Lamb a few times. So he is a sort of a passionate mental health campaigner okay. and has been. Um, so he's had personal experiences with mental health um, in his family. So he's, this is something that he's quite big at. And he was, I'm sorry, like, I would have to credit him for being the guy that put it on the agenda and put it in front of the government. And where we are now is partly because of his effort in trying to make sure it's on the table. Whilst there isn't anything that is specifically looking at people from ethnic minority background, although it recognises it, a lot of the things that we've put together is designed to deal with everyone um, regardless of race mm-hmm. so like during the sort of coalition years we managed to get like 1.2 um, billion in addition investment um, looking at sort of children's mental health um, services um, but unfortunately we've since now found out that actually a lot of sort of the CCGs aren't spending the full allocation or not, yeah, using the that, money for yeah. what it is meant for um, and I mentioned the sort of um, national strategy that we came up with and then again it look, you can see that a lot of what we recommended hasn't been implemented even though May did say it was one of the things that was on a, mm. a priority for her so in terms of like in the last election one of the key things we did is that of course looking at the health generally we wanted a penny on a pound to be ring fenced for NHS spending but then a specific amount from that is taken for mental health specifically. Um, we want to sort of like continue to sort of roll out access and wait to time standards, which is something that we didn't have before. So you can have like wait to times or sort of, I'm not saying they're the same thing, but you have a wait to time for if you're diagnosed with cancer, when you should get treatment. You don't have that for mental health. Mm. So it's essentially um, trying to get that par- parity of esteem between the two. Um, I'm not going to go on, there's so many, so, 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 so many things, um, but one of the key things is like what Norman has said in the past, is like, well, you know, when, for example, teenagers, they have an eating disorder, um, they are turned away from treatment because their body mass index isn't enough, mm. but you will never turn away a cancer patient that's been diagnosed, so it's just changing culture and changing mindset mm. in how we deal with mental health. Um, and of course, we've set up a sort of a cross-party commission where we want to set up an NHS and care convention, okay. which is looking at short-term and long-term solutions. So has that been set up already or they're looking to set it so up? So that's been set up wow. um, already. Um, it's called the NHS and care um, convention. Okay, so, so it's a cross-party. So we'll link that to the t- um, Twitter page. Yeah, so it's set up in um, before the election last year, and then we have a petition which had like over sixteen thousand signatures, wow. but because the election happened, yeah. it kind of got left. So why isn't this been picked up again? So our biggest worry right now is because Brexit is happening. The focus is so much on Brexit that this is no longer a priority. May did say this was a priority for her, yeah. um, but it's like. Is this still a priority? What are you doing? So, yeah, um, I, I'm just going to quickly touch on a few things that Labour um, have stated that they would like to do. So, um, one of the things um, that they are currently... Um, well, that was in their manifesto, their 2017 manifesto, was that um, they want to reverse the damage done to mental health services and address the need for appropriate treatment to, to ensure the right mental health care is provided um, to different ethnic groups. They also want to um, strengthen the workplace race equality scheme, um, which is something that the NHS does, um, which improves um, BAME representation at senior management level. And I think that's quite important because if you have um, BAME staff in senior management level, it will also trickle down to people in the lower ranks and you know they, they will be able to make decisions on how to um, better how to provide better services for people of ethnic groups. There are a few MPs um, that within the Labour Party who have been doing a lot of work on mental health, one of them being Luciana Berger. She's been doing a lot of work over the last few years um, on it. She's been campaigning. Um, 
I don't know if she still is, but she was also um, at the. From what I can remember, she was the Labour. She was the president of Labour's campaign to end mental health, or mm. is it is it to end mental health or um, Labour campaign? No, Labour campaign for mental health, um, which looks to um, which looks to provide um, advice and um, research for the Labour Party in relation to mental health. Um, also, Steve Reed um, has put in a private members' bill on mental health, and I think um, and it's to do with force. Um, the use of force within um, hospitals and I think within the police and that's currently um, going through the it's just currently past committee stage so it's going through to the report stage and I think okay. it's going to be debated in parliament again on July the 6th mm-hmm. so that's he's also doing a few things and generally Labour is just really speaking out on what's going on but yeah tossing the government what are they currently doing yeah, so I suppose the government's priority of mental health is in two folds. So they're first of all talking about, um, or maybe three folds, depending on how you see it. So first of all, focusing on children and young people with mental health, and then they're focusing on actually um, updating the Mental Health Act of 1983, I think that's what it is. So, um, so last year, the Prime Minister announced um, that she would be making mental health education of focus for children and young people um, and that which would include additional training for teachers um, and extra 15 million for community care and improved support in the workplace um, so a number of those policies that she said were um, that every secondary school will be offered mental health first aid training which would teach um, people how to identify symptoms, mental health illness symptoms, and help people who may be developing a mental health issue. And then she also said that there will be trials on strengthening the links between schools and NHS specialist staff. There will also be a review looking at um, children and adult services across the country. And she said that by 2020, no child will be sent away from their local area to receive treatment for mental health issues, which I think a lot of people will. Um, appreciate um, being able to access those services on their doorstep um, and that um, employers and organisations will also be given additional training in supporting staff who need to take time off um, so that's her that's the main on children and mental health that's the main things that the government are looking to do um, also last year towards the end of last year at the Conservative Party conference in October, Theresa May um, announced, and also this was also reflected in the manifesto in the June 2017 general election, um, that she recognised that mental health is a burning injustice in our society um, and that one of their pledges was to break the stigma around mental health illness and ensure that patients are treated fairly and that there's a paris- and that there's parity between physical health and um, mental health. Um, as part of this, she also recognised at the Conservative Party conference in October that black and minority ethnic people are um, disproportionately affected um, by um, and detained under the Mental Health Act. And so she announced that she would be that she commissioned a review looking at the Mental Health Act of nineteen eighty three. She called the act um, outdated as it's over thirty years old mm-hmm. and appointed Professor Sir Simon Wesley to undertake an independent review to the Act to tackle the long standing injustices of discrimination in our mental health system. Um, so the 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 review is still ongoing, however the um, review published um, Sir um, Sir Simon, Professor Wesley, whichever one you want to go with, um, published his inter, um, an interim report looking at the an interim report of the review um, in May, and I suppose there isn't there aren't that many. There's nothing really like astonishing from it um, because maybe because it's an interim report. But the main thing was that it did agree and acknowledge the fact that um, the experience of people from Black, African, and Caribbean heritage are particularly poor and are detained more than any other group. Mm. And this often can result in police becoming involved at a time of crisis, which 
and the causes of this disparity are complex. Shit. Okay. But I think it's nice for the review to actually, uh, although loads of black people have been saying this for a long time, so I suppose we don't really need another uh, yes, we acknowledge that this is a problem. I suppose what we want is what are the steps to acknowledge the problem. And I guess we will just have to wait and see what the review says and what parts of the recommendations the government are going to are going to um, adopt from the review. Um, but I think it's amazing that she rec- that Theresa May herself recognised the um, this pro- disproportionate detention of black people, in particular black in particular black men, under the Mental Health Act, um, seeing as she was you know, Home Secretary for a long time. And it's nice to, even though we know that this is the case, it's nice to have it acknowledged mm. by the government. Um, it's nice to have that acknowledged, especially when the government is led by a white middle-aged woman. Um, it's nice to just have that, okay. that that's on the record, that yes, you are right, um, that this is actually a problem. Obviously, there are loads of people who think that this is not going to be far enough. There, there isn't enough money, as we mentioned, for the services. Um, but I think the government is making it a priority. There's an element of mental health in almost every department of government. If, even if you're talking DCMS, in terms of technology, there's aspects What's DCMS, of... DCMS? Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, well, DDDCMS. The Department for Digital, Culture, Media and Sports. Um so they look at anything from you know technology to charities and the whole lot, um, and they almost every element of their policies and what they're working towards and work program has an element of mental health in it. So even if it, even when we're talking about technology, there's a part of you know there needs to be mental health um, education for young people who are going to be using these services or who are going to be gambling, for example, not gambling but gaming. Using, going online and um, playing this game. So I think it's nice that the government have acknowledged it. Obviously, there is still we still have loads and loads of things to do. Just having a review isn't, you know, having a review is the first step. It's an important step, but actually, how much of the, what would the review say, first of all, and who are the people who are part of the review? Um, are there enough people from ethnic minorities on the, on the panel who can reflect some of the issues and bring in that cultural experience? Um, and secondly, what will the government adopt out of that review? Um, yeah. Okay. I think what I just wanted to add to that is I have a question. I just feel, feel like we're doing yet another review when the promises that have been made before, that have been made in the past, have still not been delivered so I'm going to go back to this whole so the whole future in mind strategy mm. which looked at sort of children mental health services mm. um, there were a number of recommendations which the government it was done past, as part of the coalition mm. um, till now a lot of what were recommended such as um, having a sort of a specific individual responsible for mental health in every school Still hasn't been implemented. So you have to remember that no government can find its successor. So that's that's. No, no, no. That's fine, but it's still a thing. It's still recommendations and issues. So there are already a report yeah, that was published. Yeah. I I don't understand why there needs to be I mean, yet another report. It doesn't bind them, but they can go back to say we did this under the last government. Yeah. We agree with this. We're taking that forward. We've seen them do that. With a lot of different things. I so, yeah, I get. I don't see. I don't see why we can't have the review because the review isn't looking at, for example, mental health services. It's looking at the act and creating a new act that will have some of that will reflect our current society. The act was in 18, 1983. Think about how technology has has um, grown in that time. Yeah. I think the act itself needs to be reviewed and looked at. Yes, but, however, I do take right. the point that we need to start some of the policies, like, like I talked about, the children and mental health stuff, we, they need to start being implemented whilst we're reviewing the act. Right. I do agree so that for you example, can do both. The additional funding that was secured, again, that hasn't been delivered. So there are things there already. But do you know what? I'm, I'm not trying to sign with the Conservative, but what I think they're, they're probably doing is waiting to see what the results of this or the recommendations from the um, report is state, state, state. Yeah, but you already, we've already done this process. I know, but I think maybe they, 
maybe they think there may be a change in I don't know because it, well, well, for example it might be easier perhaps to take some of those policies and make them as part of the act yeah exactly. bottom so line is of the new act bottom line is we're still not meeting waiting time limits bottom line is the amount, amount of money that has been secured has still not been in, you know in, invested or delivered so we're not saying it's something completely new we're saying that they are astound, outstanding um Agreements or astounding pledges. money pledges that have still not been delivered, but yet we're doing, we're doing, going through the process again. I don't think it's the same process. I don't I think, think it's, it's the same process different. because it's different. Because they're looking, every party comes up with its own policies, every government comes up with its own policies on how to address something. Mm. But this bill is actually something for the whole of parliament. A bill will allow people from different parties to have um, input into it, and it will be. Like it will be legalized. So some of the things that we're talking about, workplaces, mm-hmm. some of those things will, will be reflected in there, and there won't just be like policy change for this government. It will be something that is consistent. That actually, employers will be legally bound and have a legal requirement to do some of, of course, these things. None of the so I, changes I'm not are saying ever for yeah, one government we, we, it carries on, doesn't it? Once it's implemented and once it's delivered, yeah. It, it, of a, if we have a law or change of policies. It doesn't get changed that really ever happens, for example. But oh, it's the yeah. fact that if it hasn't been implemented, it can be left. And yeah. then you do, you do your own thing. But it's almost as though... I, I, I completely agree with you, but what I'm saying is I kind of feel that we're just yet kicking it into the long grass when there are already solutions yeah. that we can start actually implementing and delivering as was promised. Yes, it was under a different administration, but it's still the same party that are still the governing party now, and it's still the same Theresa May that has accepted those recommendations. But we also have to say that um, this week, which is recommencing the 18th of June, the mm-hmm. government announced a 20 million billion boost Oh my god, are we really going to talk NHS. about that? <laughs> I don't want to go too much into it. No, no, but you mentioned it. Let's question that. I don't want to go. Was, I don't. What? How do you fund that? What? Well, what? Well, no, we're not talking about that. I know, but guys, we need to start wrapping up. We're not talking mm. about. Um, I'm just trying to say that they're they're beginning to put the money where put their money where their mouth is. Exactly. Whether or not there's there's discussion about well, how it'll be funded, that's not for me to answer. That's for the government to answer. And when the government does, that that's up to them. But the fact that they've They've um, but you have to they've remember. made this funding available to the NHS, which actually does mention you know staffing for NHS services, is a move in the right direction. And as I said before, we're not there; we're not even close to being there. But it's good that we're moving in the right direction, and we're actually acknowledging that this is an issue because the Conservatives, for a long time, have been very blasé about the whole mental health stuff. Mm. Obviously. The Lib Dems have been running it and pushing it, but it's good that being a government, the government are actually, you know, trying and talking about it. Yeah. Okay. So, just before we say goodbye, um, I just want to ask you guys one question. Let's kind of end it on a positive note. Um, what things can we? What things can we do to improve our physical? Um, psychological and emotional well-being so just a, just a few things that you maybe do or what you would advise some of our listeners to do to just improve um, improve their um, mental health um, work out I think exercise is so important and by work out you don't really need the gym you can go for walks I, I love going instead of saying work out do you mean be active exercise yeah, yeah. be active um, you know go for walks I love walks I love going on long walks with my mum is so relaxing you get to actually talk to people as we mentioned you don't you don't really get to interact with people that much these days um so it's nice to be able to go for long walks leave your phone at home and just have a proper conversation and get some fresh air i know people talk about this all the time but it's actually so important and also realizing sometimes that you're stressed and realise, especially when you're working, that the work will continue if you, if you drop dead and die. Like, mm. drop dead, of course you'll be dead. Never mind, cut that. 
um, realizing that the work will continue even if you're no longer there mm. and taking that time out to care for yourself because if you don't care about yourself no one else is going to care for you um, remembering to take holidays and not feeling like there's, there's a saying that I read somewhere that if you feel that you can't take a holiday because you're so busy then you need to take a holiday mm. like that's telling you that there's something wrong um, long baths I think some manicures some you know, beauty therapy, get your hair done, get your eyebrows threaded. Jeez. If you're a guy, hang out with some guy friends, play some games. If you're a girl, you want to play games, play games, go watch a match. You know, just just enjoy being you. And I love the hashtag, carefree black girl. Be that yes. um, So what I would say is, um, I know it's easier said than done, but try and talk about your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't try not to suppress them. Um, you know, and just talk, talking about it to like a friend or a family member, I think is um, really important. I think also kind of like accepting who you are is also um, an advice that I would give because I feel like a lot of mental health issues come stems from. Um, you know, people disliking certain things about themselves or looking at other people and comparing themselves. Just that kind of, you know, be who you are. Everybody's different, you know, so just accept that. And then the final thing is taking a break at work. And, you know, when you're at work, Go for, if you're feeling stressed, go for a coffee, go get a coffee, go for a short walk. Take your hour on break. Yeah, take your hour on when I say pause, like don't have your phone or nothing, just like go somewhere where you're just where you, where you can just have like a you know, just put your mind at rest, you know, enjoy nature. And yeah, that's those are the things that I would possibly say. What about you, Julia? I'll keep mine short and sweet. No matter how busy I am, I always, always, always put time in for my friends and just do stuff that is not anything to do with work, my life anything to do with the council I go out with my friends, I don't care if I haven't slept I'll sleep when I get home and eat pound a diem just wrapping it up, um, just like to say thank you all for listening um, we've got one more episode left and then the season is done um, just let us know what you think um, you know your thoughts about the podcast as a whole what you liked what you didn't like topics you'd like us to discuss um, in the next season um, we'd really appreciate that and um, you know join in the conversation um, from this week's episode by using the hashtag consensus podcast or adding us on twitter and our handle is at the underscore consensus underscore thank you very much and enjoy your week bye, bye.